My friends, you may recall that last week's word was perseverance. This week's word is clearly detachment. No doubt a very common theme, a familiar scriptural message in today's readings. Perhaps the seasonal lesson is to persevere in our struggle to detach. We all know it's a process. You know, I still have a lot to learn about detachment. But much of what I have learned, I have learned from my buddy, Russell. Russell has lived most of his life on the streets. Since he was 12 years old, he's now uh, just over 30. Russell is a survivor. But as you might expect, he has struggled with many things people who are homeless might struggle with. But he taught me a very, very valuable lesson in regards to today's message of detachment. You know, when I first met Russell, he had this huge, huge backpack containing all his worldly possessions. His uh, very warm sleeping bag for the winter had all his clothes in there, whatever food he was able to scrounge up, some toiletries, it had everything, all his worldly possessions in this one gigantic uh, backpack. And I just wanted him to be able to walk around uh, like the rest of the young people in Arlington. So I bought him a normal size backpack, one that would just, you know, maybe a day's clothes, uh, some toiletries, uh, whatever food he might need for that day. Just wanted him to feel and look uh, more like everybody else. Well, that afternoon, he found another homeless man and gave his big backpack to him. You know, I was really cut to the heart. At first I was a little annoyed. Come on, Russell, you're gonna need this bag. You're gonna, you're not gonna be able to stay here forever, you know? But my friends, um, he converted me. The Lord converted me in that moment. I have clothes in my closet that I have not worn since I entered seminary in 2006. Why can I not let go of these things? Russell so easily gave away maybe his most prized possession. But haven't we all experienced a certain possession creep within our lives? You know, after MBA school, I was making some uh, decent money and I moved into a nice two bedroom apartment all by myself. It was glorious. You know, then I bought a BMW. It's entry level, it's super nice though. 328i, five speed, manual transmission, leather seats. It was Montreal blue, it was terrible in the winter. But I loved this car. But this car then needed a garage, so I bought a house. Then I needed to fill this house that was attached to the garage that had the car inside it. So I bought a pool table, one I almost never played. I bought some weights, fine, I never used those. I bought a bunch of furniture, put some pictures on the wall. I filled this home with a bunch of stuff. But the now filled house that was attached to the garage that had the BMW in the garage needed uh, some life. So my mom bought and cared for a bunch of plants. That was nice. I uh, tried my own thing. I got a fish tank, a saltwater tank. You know, I had only the best, right? So I had no idea what I was doing. And this went on and on and on. My friends, where does it end? For me, 
it was seminary. Of course, it didn't end there, just the beginning perhaps of an end, I hope. Uh, but I did, I think, receive an extraordinary grace. You know, I packed a few things I would need for seminary away, and then I uh, just told my family, some close friends, whatever you want, just take it away. I no longer need this anymore. Such freedom. I even sold the BMW. Probably not proper to show up at seminary with a BMW, even if it was now 10 years old. And my friends, I think there is a clear and no doubt familiar message in today's readings. One that we all know and perhaps struggle to embrace and live out. I know I do. There is a lot in today's readings that can help us all become more detached and to better live today's good news, for it is good news. In fact, it is the best news ever. You know, in the first reading from Ecclesiastes, this is the only time it's in the Sunday lectionary throughout the three-year cycle. Koelet uh, is Hebrew, and it means uh, leader of a congregation. Greek and Latin translate Koelet as Ecclesiastes. This is how we get the name of uh, the book in, uh, well, from the Vulgate, right? Uh, from the Greek root ecclesia, meaning, again, congregation. He was a preacher of a congregation, and he seems to identify himself as Solomon. And he engages in a philosophical thought experiment about the meaning of life, which leads him, it seems, to despair. Vanity of vanities, he says. A better translation, would, a more literal translation, would be breath or vapor, that all things are vanity, all things are simply vapor. Yet we spend our lives in pursuit of this vapor, don't we? Vapor that we know does not profit. Vapor that does not, we know, lead to happiness. Whereas Ecclesiastes, he says, what profit comes to man from all the toil and anxiety apart with which he has labored under the sun? All his days, sorrow and grief are his occupation. Even at night, his mind is not at rest. This also is vanity. Such vapor, my friends, the world cannot satisfy. We know this lesson over and over, do we not? It is important to note, though, I think so beautifully, that class Ecclesiastes is found between two other books, Proverbs and Song of Songs, and that these three books together are understood in the Christian tradition to represent the illuminative, the purgative, and the unitive ways to God. Proverbs has a uh, the illuminative way to God, right? It uh, teaches us how to approach God through acquisition of knowledge. Song of Songs on the backside of today's uh, reading uh, teaches us to approach God by way of love and communion. We are uni unified uh, with the Lord. In Ecclesiastes, uh, we learn to approach God through detachment from things. Purgative, we purge ourselves, we purify ourselves of worldly things in order to cling to the Lord. The responsorial Psalm, Psalm 90, continues this theme. You know, it's the only Psalm that is attributed to Moses. It follows, of course, Psalm 89, which begins with the glorification of the Davidic king and the covenant. 
It ends with the destruction of Jerusalem and imprisonment of the Davidic king. Israel was, as I like to say, a hot mess at the end of Psalm 89. So we get Psalm 90, where Israel turns back to Moses, he turns back to the law and the reality that our efforts in this life are brief when compared to eternity. If today you hear his voice, pardon not your hearts. And I don't know about you, my friends, but his voice seems clear for me today. For this theme continues into the second reading from Colossians. It says, we were raised with Christ, so we ought to seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. My friends, we have all died to our old selves in baptism, and we were raised to new life in Christ through grace. This life, of course, is hidden, but we are all new creations. Yet we are continually tempted to turn back to our old selves, to turn back to that life of slavery in our pre-baptismal selves. We all need a target. We always need to be focused laser onto that target. And if it's not Jesus, if our target is not heaven and eternal life, then we are going to be empty and super sad. The truth is we are already heirs to the kingdom. We are heirs to Christ, heirs to eternal happiness. But when we seek happiness in material things, we fail to embrace our core identity of Jesus Christ, our core identity as uh, beloved sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, we miss the mark and are then therefore miserable. You know, the gospel echoes this message, or rather I should say Paul echoes Jesus' message. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He is in the travel narrative of Luke. He is in his death march, if you will. We too are called to pick up our cross and follow him. But we can't truly pick up our cross if we are holding on to worldly things and desires. Our hands have to be empty. We are not totally detached from the world. We're going to be a hot mess. Today, a random person, it says uh, in the crowd, this random person, perhaps representing all of us, makes a demand of the Lord. Tell my brother to share the inheritance with me, he says. Jesus says, take care to guard against all greed, for, through, but for though one may be rich, One's life does not consist in possessions. And then Jesus tells this parable of a rich man who had a bountiful harvest and this worldly treasure. Note how many times the rich man refers to himself. What shall I do? And on and on. Twelve times. Twelve times. He's completely obsessed with himself, it seems. Note how many times he turns to thank the Lord, or even ask for advice from God. Exactly zero. Note how many times he thinks of sharing this abundant harvest, this great wealth with his neighbor. Again, exactly zero. Who did he plan to rest, eat, drink, be merry with? 
he seems to be alone. His pursuit of stuff ultimately isolated him, and with his heart and heart, he'd likely remain alone. And all his stuff would never satisfy. No wonder the Lord called him, you fool. We too, my friends, are foolish. We know this when we seek comfort in stuff and not in persons. We are divided as a body of Christ, divided as a family, when we focus too much on the accumulation of wealth than on time together. So sad, so many families are literally torn apart when the parents die and they reveal their will. Why didn't I get that? You got that. And now everyone's mad at each other. So many struggle to downsize and such anxiety when we get older because of the so many things that we have accumulated. We aren't really attached to stuff, it doesn't seem. We are really not that broken. But we are attached to the memories our stuff engenders in our hearts and minds. We cannot let go of these things, it seems, because we're afraid that the memories, too, will then fade away. So many couples now living very comfortable lives in their big homes and fancy cars look back with very fond memories when they were crammed in a one-bedroom apartment eating ramen noodles. Date night for them was a walk to the park while they just had their ice cream cone from Baskin Robbins. One scoop. But these were the good old days. They were difficult but simpler times, and they were truly, truly in love because they were undistracted. They were unburdened by worldly things. Perhaps that, my friends, is the foundational message today. It's really about a relationship. Perhaps it is about really about hugging our kids instead of spoiling them with more stuff. Perhaps it's about spending quality time with each other instead of hiding behind various screens that do nothing but divide us. No doubt today's message is about seeking peace in Christ to looking above and not to the world. You know, St. Augustine said so beautifully that we are what we love. We are what we love. Today and every day, therefore, we are invited into love itself. For no one would detach from the world unless they were in love with the other worldly. In love with the one who promises us an eternal inheritance and happiness even now in this world. You know, I know this is a difficult message for me as well. But we all know it is a common theme throughout Holy Scripture. So let us all start today by simply giving one thing away. Start perhaps by focusing on one relationship. Perhaps begin with a family member and work your way outwards. Pray about detaching from various things. Perhaps control. I know I need to work on that. Perhaps we can all detach from our time. Detach from being anxious about the future and therefore not living in the present. We can all perhaps work on detaching from our own ideas of the way things should be and to trust God's plan for each of us. There are so many sneaky ways the evil one uh, gets us to attach to the world. 
May we all begin right here in this Holy Mass, the process of detaching, and may God be praised. Amen.